Corman podcast should not be interpreted as legal advice and are intended for general information purposes only. Welcome to our podcast series, Immigration Insights. This podcast series is designed to provide a high-level overview on what businesses need to know each week as it relates to immigration. We aim to cover cutting-edge topics and recent immigration developments, but also covering the fundamentals of business immigration issues. My name is Melissa Azalian-Kenny, and I'm a partner on the immigration team at Byrne Foreman, and I'm your host for this podcast series. I've been working in the business immigration arena for more than 20 years in a wide variety of industries, including manufacturing, healthcare, and education. And today I want to discuss with you some immigration strategies often used by public school districts in areas that we might call teacher shortage areas. And these would be positions like immersion positions, English as a second language or foreign language programs, special education, and sometimes even math and science. National national statistics show that there continues to be teacher shortages in public school districts in many fields across the United States. And immigration is one strategy which might work for a school district dealing with shortages. Now, the most common visa that we use for public school districts for teacher shortage areas is the H-1B visa. And that visa is used for what we call specialty occupation positions. And those are defined as positions where the job requires at least a bachelor's degree in a specific field. And teachers certainly qualify. It's pretty easy to show that a teaching position K through 12 requires a bachelor's degree, usually in a specific field or a variety of related fields. The problem, however, historically has been that there are limited numbers of H-1B visas issued each year. There's 65,000 H-1Bs for um, what we call the regular cap. And then there's a master's cap of 20,000 that represents H-1Bs that can be issued to um, those with a U.S. master's degree or higher. And in the past, this cap or these limited numbers were always a problem for any H-1B employer including school districts. But the rule changed a few years ago, and now public school districts can qualify for an H-1B cap exemption if they have a qualifying relationship with a college or university, and they can show that their relationship will further educational interest. The typical way that they do this is by a dual enrollment program or maybe a student teaching arrangement. And if they can show that they qualify for this cap exemption, The practical effect of that is that they can file an H-1B anytime during the year. This is a key thing for school districts right now with the upcoming start of the school year in August. Um, You know, a lot of districts are struggling to make sure that their positions are filled. And so many are turning to this H-1B strategy. There are three things that I want to pass along to maybe school districts who might be listening today who are thinking about this. Three areas that you really need to keep in mind. One is that of licensure. And the point here would be to know your state licensure requirements and make sure that the teacher is working toward those. Many times, even if a teacher is in the U.S. on a different visa, maybe like a J-1 or an F-1 student visa, the licensure requirements for them in that classification are oftentimes different than they are for the H-1B. So they need to be connecting with their state department of education, perhaps passing a practice examination or meeting other state requirements. And they want to assess that early and in advance because that licensure will have to be resolved before the H-1B petition can be filed. 
The second point I want to make relates specifically to those teachers who might be in a J-1 visa status. And there are times that J-1 candidates are subject to a two-year home residency requirement. What that practically means is at the end of their J-1 program, they have to return to their country for two years and utilize the skills that they learned in the U.S. Now, not all candidates in the J-1 classification have this residency requirement, but the point here is that it's important to know whether the teacher that you're wanting to sponsor for H-1B is subject to this requirement. And if they are, that they've planned accordingly and they're either fulfilling that requirement or seeking a waiver. The most common type of waiver is the, the J-1 no objection waiver. And that does take time to process, but it, it can result in a you know success that allows the teacher to then move forward with the H-1B sponsorship by the district. The last thing I wanna point out here is timing. Make sure that you know the status expiration of your candidate so that you can timely file your application. Sometimes visas have grace periods, but it's very important to carefully coordinate your H-1B filing with the person's status expiration. If they happen to be abroad and they're going to enter the U.S. from a country, make sure that you know that there are delays at many of the U.S. embassies and consulates worldwide, oftentimes due to the pandemic. So it could take some time to get an appointment or perhaps the candidate would be subject to a travel ban. So these are just some of the important considerations that you want to think about if you are looking at the H-1B. But but I thought this was a timely topic, you know, given that we're just a few months out before the new school year will begin. So that wraps up our update for school districts and H-1Bs this week. I hope this update's been helpful. If there's any topics that you would like to hear addressed or if you have questions, please feel free to reach out to me at M-A-K-E-N-N-Y at Burr.com. Also to find our podcasts, webinars, and other legal resources on immigration, please visit our website at Burr.com. This series is also available on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening today.